the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The fullness of him. Paul said, I want you to understand him. I want you to know about him. I want you to see him. I want you to understand what it is, uh, just everything there is to know about the Lord. And then he comes to verse number 23 and he begins to talk about the church and Paul says, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I'm gonna talk to you just for a moment today on this subject, a reflection of Christ. A reflection of Christ. You may be seated this morning and let's pray quickly. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the scripture and the power of the word of God. And uh, Lord, if we just read it and had a prayer, it'd been worth us coming today. Thank you for the Bible. And Lord, I pray now that you'll, uh, that you'll help us this morning as I try to take just a few moments and, and teach and preach and give your church something and something I believe that's very important for us to receive. I pray for the Holy, uh, power of the Holy Spirit now and I pray that God will save the lost and I pray you'll encourage the saved and I pray you'll edify and challenge your church today. May Jesus receive the glory and the praise and the honor for it all. We love you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen and amen. The Bible says here that the church is the fullness of him. The church is the fullness of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul said, I want you to know him. I want you to understand him. I want you to be enlightened about him. But sometimes it's sort of hard uh, for us to, to know about Jesus and understand about Jesus and be enlightened of Jesus. And so the Bible says that God has given us the church and the church is the fullness of him. In other words, how else, this is what Paul is saying, I believe, how else is the world going to comprehend Jesus? And how else is the world going to understand Jesus? And how else is the world going to know Jesus? And how else is the world going to see a photo of Jesus if they don't see Jesus in the church? He said the church is the fullness Man, it's that, it's that thing that makes it all complete. It's, it's that thing that completes the picture, that, that finishes the picture. Uh, how many know this? The world has heard things about Jesus and they've read things about Jesus and they have envisioned things about Jesus. But when they see us, when they see the church, by the way, you are the church. These walls are just buildings. That building up there up the road, there's just a building. That's all it is. Uh, you know what? Actually, that building is not the church until you get there. You see, you and I are the church and how else is the world going to see Jesus uh, except they see Jesus in us? We ought to be the fullness of everything that Jesus is. I thought about it like this. The church ought to be a mirror. When you look in the mirror, you know what? You don't see something else. You see your reflection. And when the, when the world looks at the church, you know what they ought to see? They ought to see a reflection of Jesus. Uh, the church is supposed to be the screen on which the projector shines. Now, a lot of people think they're, they're the projector. But see, that, that's when you get, by the way, a lot of preachers think that. But that's when you get all messed up and that's when you lose the power of God and the spirit of God. And uh, you know what? It is a good day when we realize we're just the screen. 
That's all we are. We're not the video. We're not the projector. We're not the projection, brother. We are just the screen. We are to reflect his goodness. We're to reflect his mercy. We are to be the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I put this up on the screen. I want you to see it. And uh, boy, have you ever been out on a night? Last night was sort of like that. Have you ever been out on a night when the moon just seemed amazingly bright? Boy, sometimes, and I don't understand all the science. Some of y'all probably would, but sometimes the, the moon looks so large. It looks like it's not very far away, and, and I don't understand why that is. But, but uh, sometimes, boy, you look at the moon, and you think, man, the moon is so bright tonight. But the truth of the matter is, the moon has no light of its own. When you see the moon and it shines ever so bright, what's really amazing about that is this, is that the light you see on the moon is actually a reflection of the light of the sun. And when this world looks at you and me, you know what they ought to see? They ought to see a reflection of the sun. <laughs> Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. Brother, I'm just saying that according to Ephesians chapter one, you and I, we are the fullness of him. It's how the world comprehends Jesus. It's what they, uh, it's how they, they know about him. It's what, how they're enlightened of him. Why? When they look at you and me. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, brother, brother Matt Comer, Matt Comer's an uh, assistant pastor not far from here and Brother Matt was attending Bible college and, and while he was there uh, up north in Bible college, he and some of his, uh, some of the guys that they carpooled with were in a, they were in a, a, a terrible accident. I mean, a, a horrific accident. And Brother Matt was severely injured. In fact, his face was uh, severely injured. Well, they called his mom and dad. It was way up there in Indiana. His mom and dad were back here in North Carolina and they called his mom and dad, that call that you never want to get. And they told his mom and dad that there had been a terrible accident and that Matt had been uh, severely injured and that his face uh, had been uh, terribly uh, deformed and, and injured. And so the, the surgeon told his mom, he said, now, he said, as you're getting your, your things, he said, I want, what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to get a picture of Matt. And he said, I want you to bring the picture with you. And, and when you get here, we're going to look at the picture and we're going to try to take the glass out. We're going to try to, to uh, do some plastic surgery and we're going to try to put Matt's face back together uh, like, it, like it used to be. Well, uh, you, you parents know what I'm talking about, of course, when they got the call. I mean, just so emotional and, uh, and just throwing things in suitcases and trying to get up there just as quick as they could uh, to their, their children. And uh, Mama, in all of her emotion, uh, when she went to get a picture by accident, she did not get a picture of Matt. She got a picture of Matt's brother. And she took that picture with her and she gave that picture of Matt's brother to the surgeon. And later on, after all the surgeries and the swelling began to come down, they begin to look at Matt and they begin to think, you know, Matt looks, he looks a lot like his brother. Now that, that was a little bit of a freak situation there. But I thought about that and I told you that story for this reason. Did you know that after the surgery of salvation, when this world looks at you and this world looks at me, did you know we ought to amazingly look like our Savior? <laughs> Do you know that? I mean, brother, you know what? Once Ronald Looney got saved, he ought not look like Ronald Looney anymore. 
You know what Ronald Wendell will look like? When people look at you, preacher, they ought, to, they ought to see Jesus Christ. And Mike, when people see you, they ought to see Jesus. And David, when people see you, they ought not see David Clark. They ought to see Jesus Christ. And when people look at you, you know what they ought to think about? Man, you and I ought to be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this. Think about this. If you want to see your favorite sports team play somewhere, what do you do? Now think about that. If you want to see, if you want to see the Panthers play, what do you do? Well, you go down to their stadium. And that's where you're going to see the Panthers play. If you want to see the Charlotte Hornets play, uh, uh, not that you wouldn't, but if you wanted to, what do you do? You go down to the, uh, it used to be Time Warner, I think, Time Warner Arena. It might still be, I'm not sure. But you go down there uh, to see them. That's where you go to see your, your favorite team play. And how many know this, that if you want to see Jesus, a lot of folks, what they do is they look at the church. And now, sadly, the truth of the matter is, a lot of times, when people look at the church, the last thing they see is a reflection of Jesus Christ. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, Calvary, it should not be that way at Calvary Baptist Church. When people walk in that back door, and they sit in these seats, and they see our service, you know what they'll, they'll see? They ought to see Jesus Christ. Listen, when you walk into work on Monday morning, you know what they ought to see? They ought to see Jesus walk in the door. When they see you get on the school bus on Monday morning, you know what they ought to see, kids? They ought to see Jesus get on the bus. I mean, everything about us ought to point to him. Everything about us ought to be a reflection of him. Everything about us, man, ought to remind this world of Jesus Christ. I asked you a question this morning. How are you portraying Jesus to the world? What does your, what, what, what does your projection screen have on it this morning? Does your projection screen have instability? You're up, you're down, you're inconsistent. Does your mirror reflection have, uh, you know, struggling with strongholds and carnality and worldliness? And, and uh, I, I'm just asking this, when the world looks at you, do they say, I don't see anything different about them than everybody else here at work? The song said, when the world looks at me, what do they see? I wrote down just a few thoughts this morning. How about this? Some things the world ought to see about Christ in us. Hey, number one, you know what? They ought to see that Christ is love. One of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons that God didn't take us to heaven immediately when we got saved is because God wants you to share his love with the lost and dying world. Now, I don't know if I'm connecting this morning or not, but I'm just saying this. How is the world ever gonna know about Jesus' love if they don't see it in you and me? Brother, we are the fullness of him. And, and how many know this, brother, that people, do people know that you love them? Do your lost family members know? Do they know that you love them? Those, those people that you work with, those people that you go to school with on a daily basis, those friends that you have, the neighbors that live beside you, do they know, do they see the love of Jesus Christ in your life that's shed abroad to them? We know this around here. People don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. And a lot of times people are not willing to listen until they genuinely know you care. 1 Corinthians, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profited me nothing. Uh, you've heard the story when I was years ago, when I was driving a truck, I had a, a, a place that I went to almost every single day. And there was a fellow that worked there. His name was David. Uh, and David was a different kind of character. David was a difficult fella. He was always up in there about David uh, Clark. No, yeah, and, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, when I think about it, my mind, uh, but anyway, David, he was. He was always fussing, always cussing, always, he was always up in arms about something and someone and just, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you work with guys like that. And, and uh, David was just, every time he'd go in there, man, just out of sorts and upset and just, I mean, raising cane about something, always like that. One day I went in there, and, and, and there David was, and sure enough, man, he was just going at it. And I'd never done this before. But I just walked over. I just walked over to him. I took my arm. I put my arm around and sort of put him close to myself, and I said, David, I'm going to pray for you. Well, it's amazing. It was almost instantaneously there was a change that took place. He humbled down, and from that day on, man, every time I'd come in there, David would look for me. He'd say, hey, preacher, preacher, hey, can you pray about this for me? Hey, preacher, this is going on. Would you pray about this? And brother, his spirit began to change, and, and I believe that God began to do something. Why? Brother, people don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. It was John Dillinger. John Dillinger walked in a Baptist church in Indiana and came from a very troubled home and just a young man, I think maybe 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and walked into church sort of like this and, and sat down. By the way, had never really been brought to church or took to church and, and so really didn't know how uh, to behave. And so he was a little misbehaved. Shouldn't have been misbehaving, but he was a little misbehaved. And, uh, and that day, by the way, by himself, by himself. And that day, one of the deacons in the church came up and sat down beside him and said, listen to me, boy. You won't be coming back to this church acting like that. And by the way, he didn't. And John Dillinger went on to become known as in history one of the most famous bank robbers of all time. Now, I just said that say this. I wonder what would have happened if when John Dillinger walked in that Baptist church, it, and I understand he was misbehaved, don't get me wrong, but I wonder what would happen if somebody would have just slid in beside him and say, hey, son, I'm so glad you came today. And uh, boy, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Can I sit here and be your buddy? Can I sit here and be your pal? Can I show you how we do in church and how we act and what we do? And I wonder sometimes if somebody would have shown John Dillinger a little bit of love that day, I wonder maybe if his life wouldn't have took a turn from the way it went. Love. I think about that missionary that was trying to reach a, a remote jungle village, literally savage and uncivilized and uh, and uh, and he was having a hard time communicating with them and, and, uh, and for a long, long time they wanted him to leave and they made him to feel unwelcome and, and, uh, and he was having, he was doing his best to try to communicate in their, in their, their language and trying to teach them that, that God loved them so much that he was willing to give his son Jesus Christ for them but they resisted it and rebelled against it and they wanted him to leave and they said, would you leave us? Would you, we don't want to hear that, would you leave? us, but that missionary stayed with it. One day his son came missing. Had a little boy. His son came missing and the chief of the village came to this missionary and said, just want to let you know, said, 
the tribe killed your son. And this is what he said. He said, now we know you'll want to leave us. In fact, he said, no doubt you'll hate us and you'll finally leave us. But that missionary had already settled in his heart what he was there to do. And he stayed there and regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the opposition and regardless of the hurt, he stayed and through forgiveness and the love of Christ, he won that, that village to Jesus Christ. What made the difference? One thing made the difference, church, and that's this, that he showed them the love of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what the responsibility of Calvary Baptist Church is to Union Grove and Harmony and Iredell County and Wilkes County. Uh, brother, it is our responsibility to show this world that Jesus loves them. Absolutely. Reverend Ben Ellis wrote it the best. He said, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. I love this. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry? Nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Brother, I don't know about y'all, but I'm loved today. I'm loved. And I'm not very lovable sometimes. Did you know that? In fact, often I'm not very lovable. But thank God he loved me enough to come and to reach way down and to save my worthless soul and to give me salvation, brother. And the, and the least I can do is show this world that Jesus Christ loves you. We ought to show the love of Christ. How about this? When the church looks at us, the fullness of him, how about this? They ought to see that Christ is joy. Not only love, but that Christ is joy. Did you know some of the happiest people in the world ought to be saved people? I was reading a story this week about Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. And, and uh, he was a Supreme Court justice for 30 years. He went on to be titled uh, as the greatest justice since John Marshall. And they were interviewing Oliver Wendell Holmes one day and and about his background and his life. And, and this is what uh, uh, Justice Holmes said. He said, early in life, he said, I really thought about going into the ministry. He said, I was going to be a preacher had it not been that some of the preachers that I knew the best always acted like undertakers. I mean, never smiled, never had any joy. Now, I'm just saying, church, that's not how it's supposed to be. Man, oh man, if you're here this morning and saved, you ought to at least smile. I mean, brother, if you're not a shouter, then you ought to at least be a smiler, amen? And uh, man, we ought to, when we walk out of here today and walk into the gas station or walk into the grocery store or walk into the restaurant or whatever it might be, brother, you know what? There ought to be joy that's just flowing off, off of us and just where people can see that joy. Nehemiah chapter eight and verse number 10, the Bible says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Luke chapter two and verse number 10, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall 
shall be to all people. Romans chapter 14, verse number 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I'm glad that you don't have to be a part of the world to have joy. I'm telling you, brother, the world has got pleasure, but the world doesn't have joy. David Jeremiah said it like this. Men have pursued joy in every avenue imaginable. Some have successfully found it while others have not. Perhaps it would be easier to describe where joy cannot be found. Not in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel, the most pronounced type. And he wrote, I wish I had never been born. Not in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure. If anyone did, he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. Not in money. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, had plenty of that. When he died, he said, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. Not in position or fame. Lord Biggensfield enjoyed more than his share of both, and he wrote, youth is a mistake. Manhood is a struggle, and old age, a regret. Not in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. Having done so, he wept in his tent and said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where then is real joy found? And the answer is simple. Christ. <laughs> That's where joy is found, brother. I mean, uh, listen, did you, watch, did you watch some of the Billy Graham funeral this week? Honestly, I don't know how many millions of people watched that thing, but I know the world had to be saying, huh? Why are people not, why are people not weeping their eyes out? Why are, why are people uh, smiling? Why are people raising their hands? Why are they singing songs about heaven? And uh, why are there people that are happy? Uh, why are these kids not just uh, all to pieces? Can I tell you why? Because, buddy, when you've got Jesus, you've got joy. Thank God, thank God that Jesus is joy this morning. You heard me. You heard me tell the story about uh, it was in Omaha, Nebraska, and they were they were at a, a large Presbyterian uh, uh, conference in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, because they were Presbyterian, they they didn't believe that they were at liberty to say Amen or Glory or Hallelujah, and uh, and I sort of feel sorry for them. Oh yeah, we sort of enjoy that at Calvary, but but instead, what they did that day was they they blew up helium balloons, and as people walked in, they. They gave helium balloons to all the congregants that day and they said now, uh, they said as the service progresses and you really feel blessed and you really feel uh, grateful and you really feel the joy of the Lord, they said just let your balloon go. And so throughout the course of the service, balloons would ascend. But the interesting thing about the story was this, when the service was done, the conference was ended, they said over one third of the congregation we're still holding on to their balloon. Now, I said that to say this. Hey, Calvary, why don't you let go of your balloon today? 
Why don't you quit worrying about being so refined and, and so worried about what everybody thinks and, and uh, you know, what's, what, what's somebody gonna think about me? Brother, who cares what they think about you? I'm telling you, brother, you know what? If you know Jesus, you know joy. And as you go to work tomorrow and as you go to school tomorrow and everywhere you go, brother, there ought to be something about you. People ought to look at you and say, man, what in the world? Why is that guy so happy? Why is he always smiling? Why has he got so much joy? And the answer is Jesus, that's why. Thank God for Jesus Christ. We are the fullness of him, the Bible says. And when the world looks at us, they ought to see that Christ is love. When the world looks at us, they ought to see that Christ is joy. But how about this, Calvary? When the world looks at us, they ought to see that Christ is victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Man, I'm so glad my Savior did not just die. I am glad he died for me. I am glad that he shed his blood for me, but thank God the story doesn't end there. Thank God that's not the last chapter. I'm glad that Jesus died. I'm glad when they took him off that cross and he laid his life down and they put him in the grave. Thank God that he died. But I'm also thankful that three days later the stone was rolled away. By the way, not so he could come out, but so the world could see in and Jesus came out alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's not dead. Hey, he's not like Allah. He's not like Muhammad. He's not like some prophet. He is the son of the living God. And Jesus came out victorious. And by the way, because he came out victorious, guess what? 36 years ago, when I invited him into my heart and life, guess what he gave me? He gave me victory too. You say, calm down. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm saved and I've got the victory. I've got the victory. You know what? You're here this morning. You don't have to live in bondage the rest of your life. You're here this morning. You don't have to live with the chains of sin bogging you down and holding you back. I read a great story this week. Alistair Brown talked about this story. He was walking through a park one day and, and in that park there was a, a massive oak tree, sort of like what we have back here in the back of the church. A massive oak tree, but he noticed that a vine had begun to grow up that oak tree and at first it started, as you can imagine, it started very small, but through the years that vine began to grow and grow and grow and it began to grow up the tree and, and he said the creepers began to, to, to go all over the branches and, and, uh, and literally what happened was the vine began to take over this massive oak tree. And they said in the story that, the, that this strong oak tree was literally being squeezed to death. The life was being taken out of the oak tree. But there were some gardeners and some groundskeepers in this park. And they saw what was coming. Oh, at first, not that big a deal. But they began to notice this vine begin to literally take over this massive oak tree and so the gardeners brought a saw one day. 
They went to that tree and they found where that vine started. They went way down to the trunk and they took that saw and they began to saw that trunk and they sawed it through. Now, when you looked at the tree, the preacher of the creepers were still there, but the vine was very dead. You know why? It had been sawn in two. And you know what? You look at Steve Pope. From time to time, there's still some creepers there, preacher. Sometimes you look at me and you say, boy, he's not, uh, he's still got some vine. I do, you're right, I do. I, I haven't knocked them all off. I haven't sloughed them all off. I mean, there's still some creepers there and, and uh, there's still some problems there, but I'm glad to tell you, brother, that 36 years ago when I walked into my preacher's little back room office and I said, preacher, I'm lost and I need to get saved and I opened my heart and I called out to Jesus Christ. Hey, I want to tell you what happened. Jesus came with a glorified saw, amen, and he started sawing and sawing and he sawed that vine in half. And by the way, thank God, you may see the vine, but it's dead. And I am alive in Jesus Christ. He has given me, and by the way, if you're here this morning and you're saved, he has given you victory. We just sang it. Oh, victory in Jesus. That's what it's talking about. My Savior forever. Now, What's your point, preacher? My point is this. How is the world ever going to comprehend Jesus Christ if we don't reflect him? How is Union Grove, North Carolina ever going to know about the love of Christ if they don't see the love of Christ at Calvary Baptist Church? Hey, we're done. Hey, kids, going to school tomorrow. How are your friends ever going to comprehend Jesus? How do they ever know about Jesus if they don't see Jesus Christ in you? The way you talk, the things you listen to, the music you hear, the friends you hang around, the way you treat other people. Brother, there ought to be something different about us. Amen. And the thing that's different ought to be Jesus. When the world looks at me, what do they say? What do they say? We are the fullness of him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time we've had together today. God, I thank you for the word of God. Thank you for Ephesians chapter one. Father, help us to realize that we're that mirror. God, we're that projection screen. And God, when, our, when this world, when this neighborhood, when this community, when they see us, they ought not see Steve Pope, they ought to see Jesus Christ. God, when I preach, they ought to see Jesus. When I shake hands with people in the community, they ought to see Jesus. When I go to work, they ought to see Jesus. When we go to school, they ought to see Jesus. When we have family get-togethers with family, our family they ought to see Jesus. And Father, today, I pray that you'll give us some folks at Calvary Baptist Church who'll say some things are going to change today. I want the world to see Christ in me. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. Number one is this. I wonder how many are here today and you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved 
going to heaven when I die. And if you can honestly say that, would you slip your hand up real quickly for me? Thank you so much. You can lower your hands. Can I ask you this next question? I wonder how many are here today. You'd say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that if I were to die that I would, that I would be in heaven with Jesus today. Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I wonder if there might be one like that here today. You'd say, Pastor, pray for me right now. You'd slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Is there one? All right. All right. Is there another? All right. All right. Is there another? Preacher, if I died today, I'm just not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody else? I want to pray for you. I want to get you in on this prayer. All right. Can I ask you this? I wonder how many are here today. You'd say, Pastor, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I'm born again. I know I'm, I know I'm saved. But I want people to see Jesus Christ in me. And God's dealt with my heart about something. Maybe it's the, the, the love of Christ. Maybe joy. Maybe victory. Maybe something else. But you'd say, God dealt with my heart about something. You pray for me that I'll make the right decisions. Right now, you just slip your hand up and say, God knows what it's about. God knows what it's about. Yep, 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 yep. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Folks, you're in the altar. Maybe you need to join these. And so if you need to come, the altar's open this morning. If you need to be saved, the altar's open this morning. Pastor will be here. There'll be somebody here to help you this morning. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, we may sing in a, in a, in a moment, maybe, but, but with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need to come, the altar's open. Would you come this morning while we wait, while we wait? Pastor's gonna make his way to the main floor. And if you need prayer, if we can help you, I want you to come. So Father, I pray you help them now. Bless these that are in the altar. God, maybe others need to come. I pray that you'll work. Oh, Lord, help nobody to leave this place lost and undone without Christ. I pray you'll save today. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Let's just keep our heads bowed for another moment. Pastor's gonna make his way to the main floor. If we can help you, we're here. You come today while we wait.